What is faith? Some say faith is the purposeful suspension of critical thinking. Some say faith is believing that for which there is no evidence. And many Christians, many Christians have accepted these definitions of faith, assuming, assuming that faith and facts do not go together. To be faithful is to be irrational. But that's not a biblical understanding of faith. Hebrews chapter 11 calls us to live faithfully, to construct our lives, to make our decisions, whether big or small, on the basis of promises that we have every good reason to believe will come to fruition. Faith is not just adherence to a particular set of doctrines. According to Hebrews 11, according to this this great hall of faith, the hall of fame of faith, faith is a lived thing. To live by faith is to live a life of obedience to God. Maybe you've heard of the hero's journey. Some of the greatest stories throughout history have followed a narrative pattern called a hero's journey. So a a hero is called out of what is comfortable and familiar and into an unknown world. And he or she journeys through this unknown world with vision and courage and perseverance. And as a result, because of that hero's faithfulness, the, the previously unknown world is opened up to others. We see this narrative pattern all over the place. The Odyssey, Beowulf, Moby Dick, The Wizard of Oz, Star Wars, The Lion King, The Matrix, Hunger Games, Harry Potter, Interstellar, The Lord of the Rings. I I could go on for hours, probably. But this concept of a hero's journey actually captures well, I think, the definition of faith we find in Hebrews chapter 11. Take Abraham. For instance, he features prominently in this chapter. Abraham's life story is a hero's journey. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. And as a result, as a, as a result of Abraham's faithfulness, from one man were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. But it's not just Abraham. Moses goes on a hero's journey. David goes on a hero's journey. As we'll see next week, Jesus even goes on a hero's journey. So again, biblical faith, biblical faith is a lived thing. It is not just adherence to a particular set of doctrines. To live by faith is to live a life of obedience to God. To live by faith is to hear God calling you out of what is comfortable and familiar. And then to obey that calling. And to trust God every step of the way. 
even when you can't see how it's all going to play out, even when it appears hopeless. The life of faith is a hero's journey, and we are all called to it. Faith, according to verse 1, is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. This is a much-loved verse, and rightly so, um, but it's also profoundly paradoxical. Think about it. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Faith is the conviction of things not seen. If, if I'm hoping for something, then almost by definition, I'm not assured of it. And if something is not seen, then it, it's pretty difficult to convince me of it. These are, these are paradoxical statements. But that only serves to, to drive home the point. When it comes to faith, apparently contradictory things are found to be in perfect agreement. When it comes to faith, apparently foolish things turn out to be completely rational. If we're judging by appearances, the life of faith is a life of death and defeat. But faith looks beyond appearances to, to the promise of a perfectly reliable, perfectly trustworthy God. And thereby we see the unseen. We are assured of the things that we hope for most. Another way of saying this is that the life of faith is a life of patience. To live by faith is to wait on God, to wait on God's timing, rather than grasping after what God has reserved for the future. We see this idea reinforced implicitly in verses 3 and 4. It says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And then it says, By faith, Abel. Wait a minute. Verse 3 is about creation, and verse 4 is about Abel. So within this great hall of faith, there is no mention of Adam, no mention of Eve. And that's not because they didn't believe in God. In fact, I, I don't doubt that Adam and Eve had very sound doctrine. The reason they aren't listed here is because their actions were the opposite of the sort of faith that's being described. Rather than trusting God for the future, rather than waiting on God's timing, Adam and Eve grasped after what God had reserved for the future. They were called to a hero's journey, but they were impatient. They were not faithful. They did not persevere. And so their, their journey was cut short and the world that God wanted to open up through them was closed off. So Hebrews 11 is presenting us with a list of Old Testament saints who are commended precisely because they patiently waited for God's timing. They trusted God for the future even when he appeared to be holding out on them. In fact, as it says in verse 13, these all died in faith. 
not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. I, I put a slip, a slip of paper in your bulletin. You probably dropped it on your way in. Um, it shows the basic structure of this chapter. Um, and, and as you can see, the central point of this chapter is found in verses 13 to 16. Each of these Old Testament saints died without having received what they hoped for, yet trusting that it was nevertheless inevitable. That is the ultimate test of faith. That is the ultimate test of faith. Can you die hoping in a promise that by all appearances remains unfulfilled? Faithful people hope in the present in trusting the future to God. The heroes of the faith hope in the present in trusting the future to God. Now, I want to point out here that that Hebrews 11 makes a very important fundamental assumption about the Old Testament. To us, the, the ancient world of the Old Testament can can seem like an alien world, perhaps even a fictional world. The pages of the Old Testament are filled with foreign practices and bizarre rituals and strange names and forgotten nations, right? But for the author of Hebrews, the world of the Old Testament is the world of Christians. It's not that the Old Testament is concerned with earthly and temporal things, whereas the New Testament is concerned with heavenly and spiritual things. It's not that the Old Testament saints were trying to earn their salvation, whereas the New Testament saints are trying to live by faith. No, the the men and women of the Old Testament were attempting to live by faith, just like you and me. Otherwise, these stories of faith would not apply to you and me. So chapter 11 offers various different examples of living by faith, along with various different outcomes of living by faith. We'll do just just a quick overview. In some cases, faithful people suffer, like Abel, and the unnamed saints who were tortured, imprisoned, mocked, flogged, stoned, sawn in two, killed with the sword, who went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. In some cases, faithful people suffer. In some cases, faithful people triumph, like Enoch and Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, and women who received back their dead by resurrection. So in some cases, people suffer. Faithful people suffer. In some cases, faithful people triumph. In some cases, faithful people are simply called to wait, like Abraham and Sarah, and Isaac, and Jacob. In some cases, faithful people are vindicated in the eyes of the world, 
like Noah and Joseph and Moses and Joshua and Rahab. Again, we're given various different examples of living by faith along with various different outcomes of living by faith. Some suffer, some triumph, some are called to wait, some are vindicated. But the point is that the outcome is beside the point. The point is that whether they suffered or triumphed or waited or were vindicated, each of these saints hoped in the present, entrusting the future to God. And even those who triumphed, even those who were vindicated, still did not receive what they were ultimately hoping for. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. In verse 16, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, these saints in Hebrews 11 were able to see the unseen and to be assured of a future that they hoped for. By faith, these saints in Hebrews 11 were able to look out on the horizon and see a homeland, a homeland that that those without faith simply could not see. And by faith, these saints in Hebrews 11 died. They died without having received the things promised, without having reached the homeland. Think back to Abraham. By faith, he obeyed when he was called to go out, and he went out, not knowing where he was going, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. And then... After a very long lifetime of faithfulness, Abraham died, not having reached that land, not having reached the city he was looking forward to. What kind of hero's journey is that? The heroes of Hebrews 11 kept on hoping in the promises of God. They kept on being assured of the promises of God, even as generation after generation after generation died without seeing the fulfillment of those promises. How did they do that? How is that possible? Faith is what makes that possible. But more specifically, faith in a future resurrection is what makes that possible. If God makes a promise to me and then God permits me to die, either he will resurrect me or he is a liar. And according to verse 19, this was precisely Abraham's hope as he considered the prospect of losing the son that God had promised to him. God has made a promise, and God is not a liar. Therefore, God will raise my son from the dead. 
Again, this is, the, this is the true test of faith. Can you die hoping in a promise that remains by all appearances unfulfilled? Can you do that? Because God has promised to establish his kingdom on this earth. God has promised to fill the earth with his glory. God has promised to usher in worldwide peace and righteousness. God has promised to resurrect your body from the dead. Can you die hoping in those promises? Will you continue to trust God even when there is little indication that his promises will be fulfilled within the course of your lifetime? And when those who do not share your hope in this homeland scoff at your ignorance and mock you for your foolishness, will you, by faith, keep on hoping? You can imagine how foolish Noah appeared as he was building the ark. You can imagine how foolish Abraham and Sarah appeared as they waited for a son in their old age. You can imagine how foolish Moses appeared as he renounced his royal position to identify with slaves. You can imagine how foolish Joshua appeared as he marched in circles around the city of Jericho. But these saints lived by faith. They could see the unseen. They were assured of what they hoped for. They could look out on the horizon and see a homeland, a better country. They could see a city that the faithless could not see. And so they kept walking in that direction. That is what it means to live by faith. It means we sometimes have to pass on well-deserved promotions that would otherwise infringe upon our family and church commitments. To the faithless, that is foolish. It means we give 10% of our income to an unseen heavenly city, a kingdom not of this world. To the faithless, that's foolish. It means we attend church services, even on three-day weekends. when we could be doing literally anything else. To the faithless, that's foolish. It means we build our lives upon, sorry, to the faithless, that's foolish. Did I say faithful? I did. It means we build our lives upon the eternally trustworthy word of God. And we do not capitulate to the whims of culture. To the faithless, That's foolish. Brothers and sisters, the Lord is calling you on a hero's journey. A journey to a homeland, to a better country, to a heavenly city. He's calling you out of what is comfortable to a life of everyday obedience. He's calling you to trust him every step of this journey even when you can't see how it's all going to play out, even when things appear hopeless, 
He's calling you to live and to die by faith. To live by faith and to die by faith. Hope in the present, entrusting the future to God. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge you to be sovereign and in control. All-powerful and in control. Help us to trust you for the future. Jesus, you are the hero of heroes. We thank you for leaving what was comfortable to come and to open up for us a better country, a homeland, and a heavenly city. Holy Spirit, sustain us on this journey. Give us faith to hope in the present, entrusting the future to you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.